Divorce Conversations, where we analyze, navigate, and troubleshoot all stages of your romantic life. I'm your host, Igor Meisterman, a divorce attorney turned relationship coach. All right, welcome back, everybody. And after doing an episode that uh, produced a lot of feedback, a lot of it was amazing, insightful, something I really appreciated uh, from the viewers and the listeners about the topic of self-esteem. And so what I'd like to do today is continue with a part two, now that we've diagnosed the topic. So let's assume for a minute um, you were willing to have an honest conversation with yourself and look in the mirror and said, you know, maybe the things that are happening in my life are not only entirely to be blamed on a spouse, on parents, on life circumstances. I actually have something to do with all this. Um, I'm part of the journey and I need to have active participation. And therefore, now I'm wondering to myself is, what do I do next? How do I engage on this journey of um, self-esteem? How do I heal my self-esteem? And before I take a deeper dive into the topic, I do would like to point out something that feels like semantics, but I actually think it's very important, which is sometimes like people like to use the concept of, oh, he has good self-esteem. She has low self-esteem. And one of the things I love from um, uh, that I heard from somebody named Pia Melody wrote a book, Facing Love Addiction, uh, where she, she deeply discusses this topic. Uh, she was heavily involved in a program called The Meadows in Arizona uh, that actually dealt with a lot of people whose underlying issues had to deal with codependency and self-esteem. And I love how she describes it. And she basically says, you know, uh, self-esteem, it, it doesn't exist as a high or low high self-esteem, low self-esteem, healthy self-esteem. It either exists or it doesn't. Either I have self-esteem or I don't have self-esteem. And that's why I'm going to try to be very careful for the rest of this presentation to uh, make sure that we're focused on just what is it. And as we diagnosed last time, you know, some of the key things we talked about is um, how much codependency do I live with? I need others to approve me. I need other people to help me feel good about myself. So when I get a compliment, I feel that jittery high. If I get a frowned face or somebody says something negative, I'm devastated. Why is that? Why can't I just stay in a certain equilibrium, uh, in a fairly neutral place where I'm just not so bothered by what others think or say about me? I do care about my own progress and growth. And if I'm living out a productive, useful life, and I would like, therefore, to get feedback. I would like to solicit objective data that would help me understand um, what am I like as a person? What things can I improve? Where are my blind spots? But that's very different than seeking someone to approve me, seeking someone to tell me I'm okay the way I am. I matter. I'm important. Another term that we introduced in part one was this idea of unconditional positive regards. Right? I need somebody to love me at all times. Tell me you love me unconditionally. Um, is our love unconditional? Uh, versus just having that internal sense of, we're good. We're okay. I'm okay. And everything's going to be okay. Because we're okay. And I'm okay. But that type of processing, the reason I just did that display, is that's what we have to ask. Is our brain wired for that? What's our circuitry? Um, what conditioning do we run with? Or... You ever meet people like this? Oh my gosh. Oh no. What's going to happen now? Do you know? Do you have any more information? What's going to be? Can you tell me that we're okay? 
those types of encounters demonstrated that a person is struggling with something in their self-esteem. There's a struggle either accepting oneself, believing in oneself, believing in one's abilities. Therefore, we could really size up that dynamic and see how the interaction happens between us and other people, especially those who are with us in our romantic relationships. Um, how we interact with them. Do we interact from a place of needing approval, needing confirmations, affirmations? Uh, or we operate from a place of, I'm good, you're good, and the things we struggle with will be here for each other, but we ultimately accept our responsibility. And therefore, the question couples love asking me is, so Igor, I want to know, let's say you have two people who have healthy self-esteem, then what are they doing together? Because from what you're describing, sound like a healthy, independent person, truly healthy, independent person, will just do their own thing. Why do I need to bother having somebody in my life? And this is going to be is no. There are certain things in life that require more than one to build. There's things that we're meant to do that are bigger than us. And those are the things for which we need partners. For example, a family. Building a family, very hard to do with one person. We're meant to do it as couples. It wasn't just meant to be as mating rituals in order to create more progeny. The whole point of couples is so that there also would be opportunity to bond together, build together, share a, a vision, a shared vision of what we want to accomplish and build. Uh, and therefore, the, the real purpose of other people in our lives is what else can we build? Where can we team up or rally around that will simply be too much to do by one? But when it's two, it's much more doable, it's much more realistic, such as raising children and building a family. And therefore, what does this journey look like? So how do I either reclaim self-esteem, develop self-esteem? How do I do these things? Well, this is a very interesting conversation. It's going to be a really deep dive. I want to just give you a general blueprint, a paradigm of what this could look like. And of course, everything in between and the deeper exploration is what would need to take place in probably some form of therapy, frankly speaking, whether it's inpatient, outpatient, individual sessions, once a week, um, family therapy, couple therapy, uh, but some format where a therapeutic experience could unfold. Um, so let's begin. You know, one of the things that um, comes up for people, especially people who are really eager to grow, is once we identify this issue and people are like, wow, I see now that the way I've been manifesting in my life is with certain issues that are based on low self-esteem or lack of self-esteem, as we said earlier. And so I want to re regain that, reclaim it, strengthen it. What do I do? Well, the first thing to do is to actually go deeper. See, one of the things that we always have to be mindful of is we are complicated. We consist of multiple things. We're not an element. We're a compound. Human being is a compound. And what does this compound consist of? Well, there's our intellectual realm that lives up here. There's our emotional realm in our heart. There's a spiritual realm. And then there's even the body itself, how we physically manifest. And what happens when we're feeling anxious and edgy and irritated and how that reverberates through the entire emotional, intellectual, uh, spiritual parts of us and vice versa. What happens when we're in an emotionally good place and how that impacts the body and brings it to a relaxed state. And therefore, um, I find that when I work with clients, um, we really try to go on a deep dive through all of these realms that it's not just meant to be only an intellectual process. Okay, here's the problem. Here, do some exercises. Here's a solution that might happen very effectively in a coaching experience. We, that would be, but in my work, it would be one realm plus more work to do. 
then there would be breathing exercises or what I call centering and almost like, you know, mini quasi meditations where we could just bring the body and the spiritual energy uh, online and feel aligned with those aspects of ourselves as we then explore and dig in into what could be happening in our emotional space, in our intellectual space. And so each of these realms have to be engaged and just allow to manifest what are the stories that I live with? What do I think about myself? What feelings does that generate for me? And then, of course, the hardest part of all for most people, which is going into the past, exploring the childhood. What happened to me? What took place that deprived me, took away my self-esteem? What is it that happened that now not makes it not possible for me to manifest myself in optimistic way, in hopeful ways, in a way where I feel confidence, strength, believe in myself, feeling a, a sense of competency, power, not domination, power, sense of ability, sense I could do things, I can accomplish. Um, what happened? What went on? And have some... Uh, Bad news for everyone, but it will follow by good news. And the bad news is, is that nobody's perfect. So let's just walk through this logic, okay? Because I feel like people really miss this. Nobody's perfect. If we can accept that premise, you know who else is not perfect? Your parents. Well, if your parents were not perfect, that means that they didn't parent you perfectly. There were things that went wrong. There are things that just didn't work out properly. Maybe they weren't there when you needed them. Or perhaps they were overbearing. And you almost felt like a loss of voice of your own sense of opportunity to explore the self. And then that resulted in some loss or wounding, as we call it, childhood wound. And as a result of that, I began to question either who am I or what my role is in the world or what my value is to the world or to myself. And once those things get activated and turned on, that is when self-esteem begins to take a little bit of jabs and beating. And that self-esteem was meant to be this perfect imagery, um, a perfect painting. Now it's getting smudged and um, wrong stains and wrong colors, and everything's becoming disfigured and discolorated. And this perfect uh, expression that was supposed to be in that ideal reality, if someone was raised perfectly, now becomes this damaged, banged up job that becomes me, the adult. And uh, just having a, a driver's license and the right to drink, you know, now doesn't translate into being an adult in the way that we're going to use it here. Right? Adult is having certain sense of competency, sense of power, sense of ability, and ultimately believe that I am someone and I matter. And therefore, the things I do have an impact. You know, I see this all the time. People who are depressed or very down, you know, one of the hallmarks of what else manifests in people when they're going through such a process is they don't believe their actions mean anything. And therefore, they could do mean things. They could be uh, very indifferent. Uh, and they're certainly not other-oriented. They could be very insensitive. Not because they want to be that way, they want to be mean, but simply because the starting point is missing, which is believe that I have value. I have something to offer. Therefore, the journey has to go through all of these phases. And that's why I personally call it a healing journey. It's In some ways, it's not a coaching journey. It's not a therapy journey. It's a healing journey where all of these aspects of myself have to come online, where I allow myself to experience all of them very deeply. 
I allow myself to process them, which usually involves awareness and then acceptance, and then some soothing, whether it's words of affirmation, whether it's journaling, whether it's doing things that affirm for me that I'm worthwhile. You know, I had this rule when, uh, especially when I was deep into my work as a divorce attorney, some of the cases were, whew, were a doozy. Um, sometimes it just really took everything out of me. So I had a rule. If I finished a big project that was very stressful, I would treat myself to something nice to eat that I otherwise would not. And so I would go around the corner and I would buy either that nice sandwich that I usually just pass on or I would get extra sushi, whatever it is that I wanted to do that would give me a sense of, hey, Igor, you matter. And I'm going to affirm it for you, for yourself. I'm going to affirm it for me. I'm not going to wait for my wife to tell me how good of a lawyer I am or to wait for my mother to tell me, oh, you know, you're so wonderful. I'm proud of you. Instead, I did the exercise of telling myself, you know, Igor, I'm proud of you. And then I did even the harder exercise, which is not only am I proud of you, but I'm also okay if no one else is. It's really okay that it's just me. That's a really tough journey. I you know, but I just shared with you literally a few seconds was a reduced, filtered, watered down, ver distilled version of my years of work where I could never conceive saying that to myself. I could never imagine compliment, acknowledgement, uh, recognition of the self. Who, who are you? Be quiet. You're not anyone. How, how dare you speak up? That was the type of regular uh, talk that went on in here until I went on a deep dive and did this journey and I invite you to do the same because you will be amazed how many things are held hostage in your life, how many things uh, you can unravel, solve, and heal in your own journey if only you were to go to the root of it all, which is to develop an awesome self-esteem. Thanks for joining. Thank you for joining us today. For questions, comments, topics you'd like to hear more about, or to try our 24-week relationship challenge, email us at relationshipreimagined at gmail.com.